The year was 1945. It was August, uh, and a time that the world was introduced to a new age. Behind me is the city of Hiroshima after the atomic bomb was dropped, and the city was leveled. Uh, Hiroshima, Hiroshima and Nagasaki were both destroyed August 1945. It might interest you to know that these two bombs that were dropped could have been avoided. And that is very possible that a misunderstanding of a Japanese word caused a misunderstanding of gigantic proportions destroying these two cities. I'll tell you a little bit of the history so that you understand. In July of 1945, the war was basically over and the Japanese knew it. Their cities had been leveled, people were fleeing, their armies and navies were crippled, and they knew. They went to the emperor and said, it's over, we've got to surrender. Well, that same month, the Potsdam Treaty was offered by the Allied forces, um, and it was a very gracious treaty. The Japanese were ecstatic. They were able to keep their emperor in place. They were able to retrieve islands that they had lost, able to rebuild. They were giddy about the treaty. But the problem was that the treaty was just through the news wires and not along an official channel offered to the nation of Japan. So they wondered how we should present this as far as a news release. Uh, the prime minister was uh, Prime Minister Suzuki, uh, and he decided to present a front of wait and see, and that tomorrow we'll release a, a, a definitive answer to the treaty. They hadn't been given it to him on official channels. So out walked the Minister of Information, and in the conference with the reporters, he said that Japan was going to adopt the policy, and if you're Japanese, please forgive me, uh, of makasutu, if that's close. That policy, it is a word, the first phrase means to silence. The second phrase means to kill, to kill with silence. What the Japanese prime information gentlemen meant was that they were going to be quiet and wait. But this Japanese word has no equivalent in the English language. There is none. And it can be interpreted in one of two ways. Either to remain silent or it can be interpreted to ignore. When this word went out, this policy, this Japanese word, the news cycles picked it up on the second interpretation and translation, to ignore. And less than a week later, two bombs were dropped on these two cities. Incredible story. It was all because the word was misinterpreted. There is another word I want to present to you. It's a Jewish word. It's the word teletelestai. It is also a word that Christians through the centuries have misunderstood, and it has been mistranslated in their minds. But properly understood, this Hebrew word 
Teletestai is the, is the key to victorious Christian living and to Christianity at in, in, in all. It is the word, it is finished. It is the great cry of Jesus Christ on the cross. When the work to, de- to defeat sin was accomplished, and it was not the cry of a defeated, wore-out Messiah. It was the cry of victory. Tell, tell us, Ty, it is finished. Sin has been put down. Sin has been killed. Sin has been conquered over. The payment for sin is done. But not only that, victory in the life of the Christian is the gift of God to every believer. A work that is absolutely done. Now we're good at proclaiming the first part of it is finished in the payment for our sins. A person who has come to Christ, their sins are put away and it's finished. Of course, maybe we struggle a little bit with that, thinking they're still around, they're not. But then the second part, allowing sin to dominate us. Romans tells us this. Paul writes, How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? The answer is It's impossible to live in sin when we have been separated and it is finished and we have died to it. Later in that chapter, Paul says, sin shall not dominate you. You shall not be under the dominion of sin. And yet, and yet, Christians struggle with sin. There seems to be a disconnect, does there not? I just finished reading a fascinating book called The Devil in the Baptist Church. It is a chronicled story of independent fundamental Baptist churches, one big one and a couple big ones in our area, where preachers who preached strong the gospel lived incredibly immoral lives. The power and dominance of sin reigns within Christians. And yet Jesus said, tell Telestai, it is finished. What part of it is finished don't we understand? The dominion of sin is finished and done. We are not to live any longer under its power. Well, Joshua chapter 10, I want you to go there. This is a story along those particular lines. Verse 16, we have five kings who have been defeated in battle, but these are not kings like Braveheart and the Patriot, and these are not rulers that die with their men and who go down in the ship with their men. These are like uh, Saddam Hussein who was hiding in a hole when they found him. This was like the fellow Gaddafi who was hiding in a drain pipe when they found him. These are this kind of kings. Notice in verse 16. These kings fled and hid themselves in the cave of Mekedah. (laughs) Don't you love those kind of leaders? It gets hot and they're gone. 
All these kings probably fought against each other, but when their lives were threatened, they all band up together and run and go get in a cave. That's a coward, isn't it? Die with your men. Don't hide in the cave. I would have loved to hear the conversation between these five guys in the cave, wouldn't you? What they said. Scared. Fearful for their lives. It's five kings in a cave. These were men who used to rule, and now they were powerless in a cave. Listen to me very carefully. Sin used to rule in our lives before we came to Christ. This world is under the dominion of sin. This world thinks they're free. They are not free. They do exactly what sin tells them to do. It's natural for them to sin. They are kings on a throne. But for the believer in Christ, they are kings in a cave. Their power has been broken and they are hiding. Verse 17. And it was told to Joshua, the five kings have been found. Now, if they have been found, it implies that they were being looked after or looked for. You don't find something you're not looking for. But they found them because they were looking for them. Which is smart from a military tactic thing because you always want to cut the head of the snake off. You cut its tail off, it wiggles off into the bushes. You got to worry about a snake. But if you got the head in hand, that's pretty much over. So they want to kill these kings, but they were looking for these kings. Listen very carefully about this Christian's walk over victory over sin. It is the believer who is looking for victory over sin that will find victory over sin. If Christians want to live in sin, they have no interest in the message that I'm preaching today. They might enjoy the history of it, but the practical application of not allowing lust and greed and sensual pleasures and idolatry and the cares and love of this world. If you want to embrace those things, you will not look for the answer of victory over sin. But Joshua and his men were looking and they found. Jesus said a very simple principle, those who seek, find. You know, you always find what you're looking for, don't you? You really do. Let's go on. <clears throat> and Joshua said, Roll. Now notice the plan of Joshua with these five kings. He could have just sent his men in, pulled them out and killed them, but he's got a plan. He's got a deal that he wants to do. He wants to teach something to his generals. So he says, the, Tell them the five kings are found. And Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it. To guard them. But do not stay there yourselves. <laughs> Your soldiers. Soldiers don't need to guard the rock over the cave. He says, pursue your enemies. Attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their cities. For the Lord your God has given them into your hand. And when Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished 
So they put ordinary men in front of these big rocks, and the soldiers continue to fight, continue at war. Now when Joshua and the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow, until they, had, until they were wiped out, by the way, I say in passing, that's the way to do warfare. We don't know warfare in our age. In the old days, they wiped everyone out and it was over. Now we just swat at the thing and go our way and wonder why there's still trouble. Anyway, just a little side night there. So when Joshua had finished a great blow and when the remnant of them that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safe to Joshua in the camp at Mekedah. Notice the next phrase. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Let that sink in, because we've had a couple thousand years of men moving their tongue against the sons of Israel. Anti-Semitism. The Jews have been hounded. The Jews have been butchered. The Jews have been hated and talked against. If you think the anti-Jewish mood in our country is new. It's been around for thousands of years. But notice at this point, nobody's talking about the Jews because they're afraid of them. There's fear. There'll come a time again that no one else will again talk and move their tongue against the Jews. There'll come a time very soon. I look for that day. Verse 22. So they wipe out the enemy, and notice then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave, and bring those five kings out to me from the cave. And they did so, and brought those five kings out to him from the cave. Now they list the kings, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jeremoth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eklon. And when they brought those kings out to Joshua... Joshua summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chiefs of the men of war, notice the generals, those who had led the forces. We don't know how many there were, half a dozen, a dozen, ten. But he summons all of them who had gone with him and he says to them this, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. Authority gone, following gone. They were kings without a castle, kings without a throne, hiding in a dark little damp cave. They were defeated. And yet God wanted those, kings, wanted those leaders of Israel, and he wants us to place our feet by faith on the necks of kings that have been defeated. This is the possessing of faith of the victory that God has already given you. Because he gives you victory, and yet we must claim it. He's offered salvation to the lost humanity, and yet they must choose to say, I will come to Christ. I will have faith in the blood to wash away my sins. He just doesn't deposit it randomly. It is to those who believe that the kings have been defeated, that sin is no more. I'm going to show you two different branches. 
we tend to look at sin within our life like it was this. Full and healthy and green and alive, never to be defeated. God looks at sin in our life like this. Wilted and withering and dying. We are dead to it. I don't care what you have struggled with all of your life with sin. It has no place in you. You are dead to it. You can claim victory. Whether it's a bad temper, whether it's foul language, whether it's a bitter spirit against someone who's done you wrong, whether it's hurt in your life from other people and you've allowed that to fester in you. Selfish spirit where you live in your world and no one else matters. God can give you, has given you victory over that. But you've got to put your feet on the neck of the king. You've got to claim that. If you want to hear a little name and claim it, I'll give it to you. What he has named, you claim. You can't say it. There's no power in this. But there's power in the truth that these kings are defeated. Sin will not have dominion over you. I love what he does next. Notice verse 25. He says to these, king, these men as they put their feet on the king's neck, do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And then he finishes them off. Afterwards, Joshua struck them and put them to death, and he hanged them on five trees. I love that. Gave them each their own tree. Everyone had their own throne. Here's your own tree. Boom, 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 boom. There they hung, dead, for all to see, lifeless, hanging on a tree. And they hung on their trees until evening. But at the time of the going down of the sun, Joshua commanded, and he took them down from the tree, threw them into the cave where he had, they had hid themselves and set large stones against the mouth of the cave. And that sta- stones and that cave at the time of the writing, remains to this day. Go look at it, it's dead. For those of you who have experienced victory over sins of your youth, sins that have plagued you for years, isn't it wonderful to look back and see that cave with those rocks puddled over it, it's gone, it will not touch you again. But for some of you, the kings remain. In the cave. You haven't brought them out yet. You haven't believed and put your feet on their necks. You know, there's something about walking and placing your feet that claims dominance and territory. Territory is important. I once watched Oscar chase a red pit bull three times his size out of the front yard. He charged the pit bull. I thought, well, that's the end of my dog. But the pit bull turned and ran, tucked tail down the street as Oscar followed him. Because that's his territory. That's his yard. 
And without his yard, you ever notice a dog never uses the bathroom in his own yard? They're smart. It's not my, it's my territory. I'm not going to mess up my territory. I'll go mess up theirs. <laughs> Dominance over sin is our territory because God has claimed it for us. You know, life's process. Do you know that? Life is process. We are not who we are going to be. By the victory of Christ, you grow in grace. And three years from now, as God gives you grace and you claim these things by faith and claim victory over sin, and God gives you territory and freedom and joy, I'm talking we're, not, we're different people than we were years ago. It's not overnight, but God gives us victory. Let's finish the story. We'll draw a couple thoughts and we'll be done. As for Mechadek, notice uh, Joshua captured it on that same day, struck it and its king with the edge of the sword, devoted to destruction every person in it. He left none remaining, and he took and he did to the king of Mechadek just as he had done to the king of Jericho. I echo the words of G. Campbell Morgan that God is perpetually at war with sin. Three thoughts. The dominating reign of sin is over for the believer. It's over. Finished. If sin dominates you and I, it's because we're allowing it to dominate. See, the lost person has no choice. They sin. To them, it's a natural thing. But not to us. Sin is unnatural to the Christian. It's not a part of who we are anymore. Number two, we do not fight for victory as Christians. We fight from victory. We don't battle to be better people. We don't battle to overcome sin. We battle on a victory already given to us. We claim and now we walk in and rest in faith. It's a marvelous poem written by A.B. Christensen years ago. Listen carefully to it. I prayed for help. I prayed for strength. I prayed for victory. I prayed for patience and for love, for true humility. But as I prayed my dying Christ, by faith I seemed to see. And as I gazed, my glad heart cried, All things are mine through thee. If he doth dwell within my heart, what need I strength implore? The giver of all grace is mine. Shall I ask for more? And need I pray for victory when he who conquered death dwells in my very inmost soul, nearer indeed than breath? Oh, help me, Lord, to realize that thou art all in all, that I am more than conqueror in great things and in small. No need have I, but thou hast met upon the cruel tree. O precious, dying, risen Lord, thou art my victory. He's yours and he's mine. Number three, by faith. Put your feet on the neck of sin. Okay? I promise you the king's disabled. It's done. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he has provided everything for salvation. 
The blood of Jesus Christ washes us away, washes all our sins away. But not only that, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has given us victory over the dominating power of sin. And we of all people are free. We're the only people that are free. But you're only free in experience when you put your feet on the neck of sin.